Hi, this is Elaine. We've hosted guest experts on impactparents.com every week since 2011. And since 2017, they've been podcast style interviews. Now we're dipping into those archives to share these fascinating conversations with leading world experts on the Parenting with Impact podcast. Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Welcome, everybody. It's Elaine Taylor-Klaus with Impact ADHD, your online resource for parenting complex kids. And I am excited to welcome a, a new friend and colleague today, Dr. Michael Postma with SANG, an organization supporting the emotional needs of gifted. Um, Mike, thanks for being here with us. Thank you. I'm really glad to have you. Dr. Michael Postma is a consultant, a speaker, an author, and he's really dedicated uh, his life to the holistic development of both gifted and twice exceptional children. We're going to talk today about what that really means. But over the last few decades, Dr. Postma has worked in the field of gifted and talented education, both as an, a teacher and administrator in the public system, and he architected the Minnetonka Navigator Program, which is a magnet school for highly and profoundly gifted students. He is now currently the executive director of the SANG, supporting the emotional needs of gifted organization, lives in North Carolina as the father of four kids, three of whom he says are twice exceptional, and and we're thrilled to have you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Today, we're going to talk about what makes a child twice exceptional. So, get us started. What does that term mean? It's bantied about a lot. What does it mean? It is bantied about a lot, and it basically means that they are identified as both gifted and with a learning disability, at least one learning disability. As we know, the term 2E is a bit of a misnomer because most twice exceptional students that uh, I have worked with in the past uh, have more than one disability. They tend to have, almost all of them have sensory processing disorder alongside, which is not really a learning disability in in a sense, but it certainly is impactful in terms of uh, how they engage with life. Experience the world, right? Experience the world, exactly. Um, So that's basically what it is. It's a dual exceptionality in, in the classical term of being gifted, identified as gifted, as highly high innate ability, as well as a specific learning disability, like an an ADHD or a a dyslexia or dysgraphia or something that interferes with the the daily operations or the the way someone learns. Right. And and again, even that changes from place to place in Australia. ADHD is not considered a learning disability. Exactly. Um, And so what I'm hearing is that it's called twice exceptional, but it's also often thrice or more, right? Lots, there are often a lot of exceptionalities. Mm -hmm. So let's break it down a little bit. 
tell us what is gifted. How do you know if, if a child is gifted? <laughs> Isn't that the question? <laughs> um, I mean, seriously, this is something that's been debated for, for decades. And in essence, uh, gifted, there's so many terms out there that uh, I don't think everyone really actually knows. I know a group, you know, the Columbus, the Columbus group came up with a definition, and it really is a combination of of high innate ability, meaning the potential to be able to uh, complexly solve problems, to think, to bring in information, to to manipulate information. It's all those different things. In the classical sense, it's two standard deviations above the norm on an IQ scale, mm-hmm. which is one thirty. But again, we always we know that IQ. Wait, I didn't understand. You said an IQ scale something one thirty. So yeah, it's two standard deviations from the norm. So one hundred being the norm, and one thirty is every yeah. standard deviation is fifteen points. So two standard deviations is one thirty. That tends to be the classical cutoff for gifted and talented. And then if you go the other way, one standard deviation below is really <clears throat> when we're looking at special needs. So that 85 is kind of that mark. But we also know that IQ tests are biased. We also know that they're not very accurate. So many levels, right? So many levels. They do not actually assess for leadership skills. They do not assess for creativity. They do not assess for a lot of those things that actually, you know, might make a a person quite successful. Now, giftedness doesn't actually necessarily mean that they're going to be successful. It just it means that they're experiencing life in a in a, in a different way. They have the capacity for it. Exactly. Well, and the other thing I'm hearing is that if they have these other disabilities, the learning disabilities, ADHD, executive function challenges, that can interfere with the test's ability to really gauge exactly. And that's the other, the other thing that that we worry about is when you the higher I see the kids in terms of giftedness, if we use that as a term, the the more difficulties I have them working and dealing with life in general, the more sensory processing issues I see, the more chances of a disconnect between the norms of society and how they see the world. So um, that real high sensitivity is one piece of it that real way, the way they look at the world is very different. They look at it with a much more empathetic, uh, they look for it from a justice perspective, just a real high uh, sense of what's going on around them. And it doesn't always match with the societies of norm and the expectations of, of societal norms. And therefore, we, we usually see a disconnect with those kids. So one of the things I hear from parents a lot is, you know, parents are, they're struggling with this notion that my kid is so bright, but, right? And and they don't yet have maybe an understanding that their kid is gifted, um, or maybe the kid hasn't tested gifted because they have all these other complex issues, or for whatever reason. Is there a distinction to be made? Is it important to make a distinction about, you know, whether the kid is twice, is whether the kid is gifted or like, what would you say here? You know, I, we never put a label on our kids. And so we didn't, for our children, we never even assessed them for our gifted programming or any of that, that stuff. And part of it was because they were twice exceptional and generally wouldn't have qualified 
anyways because of you know certain lacks of achievement uh, the sensory processing piece were which for two of them they couldn't even get into schools you know very often attendance was always an issue mm-hmm. so in that sense it's really difficult to really ascertain exactly what a child needs unless you really really know that child inside and out mm-hmm. and it, honestly most programs in the united states most gifted programs really are based on achievement they're based on the ability to achieve. And most assessments done by gifted programming are achievement-based assessments. Which relies on a certain amount of executive function. Exactly. And it relies on a knowledge base as well that, you know, so it's a very different world when you're testing for achievement than you're testing for giftedness. They're two very different things. I'm not saying that gifted kids don't aren't achievers. Many of them are. But what we find is the higher they are, in terms of their ability or their innate ability, the more issues we are seeing. And part of it, as you mentioned, is part of that brain function, that brain development piece that is atypical in gifted and highly gifted and twice exceptional. I think the other note I wanted to mention is that most twice exceptional kids that I work with have really are highly gifted kids. And that, you know, uh, Jim Webb does a whole thing on misidentification and misdiagnosis. Mm-hmm. And so we see that a lot with 2E and with highly gifted. There's a lot of similarities, but it doesn't mean they're the same thing. Mm-hmm. The brain development, though, again, is key. You have to understand the fact that when you have a 2E or a twice exceptional, or even highly gifted and twice exceptional child, their brain development is atypical. Typically, their ability to reason, their ability to abstract think, their ability to sense, so the, the, the development of their sensory prints is much more it's more alive, it's bigger, it, the intake valve for the sensory prints is much wider and then brings in sensory experiences at a much more rapid pace that in turn affects how they see and how they feel and experience life. So, so it's almost as if they have sort of fewer filters for what the, their senses are perceiving. Correct. They're bringing in a lot more information. It's sort of They're like... bringing the- in a lot more information and part of what we see with gifted kids and especially two kids is that a synchronous development piece where the limbic part of the brain is underdeveloped. So you, basically what you have is a child with, with hyper brain, hyper body, able to deal and bring in information at a very rapid pace, but feeling and sensing so much deeper and so much more, um, how should I put it, like, like they're, they just feel things much more intensely. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And then with the lack of the limbic development, the limbic development is key to success for all individuals. Limbic development is actually language development. It is actually uh, executive functioning. It is the ability to, to coordinate and tie one's shoes, to organize things. All of those pieces that are really essential to success for a student and for an adult later in life are really lacking in gifted and especially twice exceptional kids. But, but I want to clarify here because you're saying lacking, but, and really what, what we're yeah. mostly talking about is lagging. Lagging. There is right. A, that there is a developmental delay. It's a developmental and delay. It's not that they won't catch up most of the way. In some ways, maybe not. But for the most part, they will catch up there, but they're doing it at a di- different developmental process. And to be honest, you know, the, the brain research is tough because the brain research is you can't quantify, at least quantitatively say or say, you know, and every gifted child is this because we just don't know that. Right. Um, we're, the brain research and the brain studies that are coming out of uh, GRO, which is Gifted Research and Outreach Association in California, Beth House Camps, exclusively a neurobiologist that studied 
TUI brains exclusively. All that research is limited in scope. So we can't definitively say that every single child that you encounter is going to be this. However, when the research really starts reflecting what we've seen in 20, 30, 40 years of practice, then you have to pay attention. And to from what we are seeing, that limit delay is significant. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, I don't actually believe that actually fully catches up. I believe that most gifted and 2E kids, especially, again, highly gifted and 2E are, to me, there's very many connections, but I think they develop coping mechanisms. Right. So there's, there's compensatory skills that are developed to be able to cope with it, but that doesn't change this sort of, that there's always this tendency to experience a little bit more of the world. Exactly. And, and so what some of the research is telling us is that the, the gifted brain is actually atypical and that it's dig, it's bigger than the average, the average brain. It has more white matter, which is more connective tissue it's sending ideas and, and messages at a more rapid pace. And so it's storing more information, but it's also deeply imprinting sensory prints, both positively and negatively, which really impacts how a child develops and how a child experiences life. Then you add to that the limbic delay, the language to be able to talk about what they're feeling, the ability to be able to navigate, to executively function around the gift and the deficit, you're, you're dealing with a very complex being. Mm-hmm. So, so your work is around supporting the emotional needs. So right. this, and you're talking about the limbic system, which is really where our emotions are housed. Mm-hmm. So why the focus on emotion? Well, and let's back up. I'm not sure the limbic system is where they're housed, but it's the regulatory part that All right, fair. it develops with the limbic system. You can develop metacognitive strategies around how to manage who you are, you manage your schema, so to speak. And by metacognitive, we mean thinking about how we think about things. Correct. So right. developing strategies, understanding triggers, really thinking through issues and problems, communication skills, all those things are, are limbic related. So back to the question, developing the social and emotional needs of, of gifted and two kids is of extreme importance. Because when, they, when they're lagging in that area and they have this the sort of super brain, the super hyper brain, hyper body, and don't have the ability to manage it, it has to be taught. Uh-huh. And we all know the brain is a malleable, it's a muscle. And you can teach neural pathways to kids. Um, so you can teach them to recognize triggers. You can teach them how to uh, learn communication skills. You can teach them executive function. <laughs> And it, but it's something that is direly lacking in our school system. Mm-hmm. I don't believe our parents are equipped to really teach social and emotional skills. We do not have standards in place that really tell us, you know, and then specific lessons that work on things like, you know, organization or delayed gratification or all those different essential pieces that you need to be successful in life. That is, what, that is where saying is trying to fill the gap is to really help parents, help schools, help organizations even, to really develop a system of how to support the social and emotional element in the gifted and, and also the twice exceptional person. And that's the child, that's the young adult, that's the, even the adult that is still struggling. We have a lot of two adults um, that really struggle. Great. That's all. so such important work, and that's so so much why we're so happy to have you on Impact ADHDs because all all of our work is about that issue of of recognizing the whole person um, and and looking in terms of of improving communication skills and styles and all of that. So I want to pause for a minute and let people find out more about how to find out more about you and your organization. Where can they find you? 
Well, they can find us on the web, like everyone else. Uh, <laughs> sanggifted.org. It's sang, S-E-N-G-I-F-T-E-D dot org. One G in there. So folks tend to try to go, you know. And again, that stands for Supporting the Emotional Needs of Gifted. Correct. Sanggifted.org. We are a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to that. And uh, by chance, our upcoming annual conference is happening very quickly here. Um, uh, you have an annual conference every year, correct? We do. In the summer? We do. And uh, we also have uh, saying we've started saying regional conferences. These are just one-day events. Great. The big one is the San Diego, July 19th through 22. We have a, a great lineup. I think we have over 100 sessions going. Great speakers, great talent. And it really is that Kumbaya conference for parents. We see tears and smiles every year because parents finally find their, their tribe, so to speak. And, and really, it's a huge event. So for parents who are looking for, for more information, they can go to sanggifted.org. And, right. and when they're hearing this at any point in the future, if they're looking for something great to do in the summer, they can look to find when the national conference is going on or throughout the year when you have right. regional conferences. Yeah, and it's good to know that this is the one conference that really is more dedicated to parents. Uh-huh. Uh, most educational conferences or conferences within Gifted are really dedicated towards teachers and education. And, and we have probably 60 to almost 70% of our populace at the conference are parents. So that's, that's really our aim is to, to uh, accommodate those folks. Great. So we have a couple more minutes here. Anything else that we haven't touched on? Um, we've talked a little bit about sensory processing. We've talked about emotional development, about building the brain as a muscle. You know, we, you and I have talked previously about the notion that sort of th- this is, these are kids for whom grit and achievement are not necessarily, um, it's not enough for them to just push through. They have to be taught. Correct. And grit is a really popular term these days in the world of education. You know, that, that idea that you just push through it, you push through it. Um, but grit really is attached to achievement. And sometimes when you have a disability or you're, or you have a, you're highly gifted and highly sensitive and are struggling, grit isn't enough. It, it just isn't enough. You can't tell a kid to just push through it. I'm sorry, that's an insult to a child that's struggling with, with dual exceptionalities. You know, well, especially because the truth is they are, their, their effort, that the effort they're putting out is so much more significant than so many people realize. Yeah. They mm-hmm. are trying. Well, they are. And I, I, one thing that most folks don't quite understand, especially with two kids, is the fatigue factor. I talk about code switching in my presentations. And basically that means is they are living two different realities. And they're translating back and forth, back and forth, because their existence, their comfort zone, where they feel they are, you know, they're comfortable with that who's that schema that they are doesn't always match with the educational system. It doesn't match with societal norms. And so they're constantly going back and forth. And little things like homework, for instance, is a real struggle for these kids. Right. They just put so much effort in and, and the fatigue factor. I hear from parents after parent after parent. Yep. About these struggles. So, so as we wrap up this conversation, we've got about a minute left. What's, what's your sort of closing word? What's the message you want parents to take away from this? I think for the most part, I think parents really have to understand that social emotional development is key to the student success, to mm-hmm. child success, to young adult success, and maybe even their own success. success. 
because it's not coming naturally. And the other piece to it is what we do is we stigmatize behaviors when a lot of the times these behaviors are actually neurological responses and the child can't help it. When they're having a kind of a limbic meltdown, that is not something they can control. Yeah. And we stigmatize it and in schools we punish them for it. Right. There's a very big difference between deliberate behavior or misbehavior and a child responding uh, because the brain is overwhelmed and just needs a safe zone to reconnect. The language we use to talk about that is is naughty versus neurological. And there's a lot of resources on the website. People can find out about it with that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great place to stop. And I want to thank you again for your time and for the amazing work you're doing in the world uh, and for your, your time sharing it with our community. Our guest has been Dr. Michael Postma. He is the executive director of the Sanger Organization, Supporting the Emotional Needs of Gifted. Uh, you can find out more about them at sanggifted.org. Dr. Postman, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. It's truly a pleasure. Again, find out more at sanggifted.org. And of course, you can find all kinds of resources at impactadhd.com, naughty versus neurological, emotional development, almost all of the topics we've talked about here today have articles or interviews or something related to them on the site. So you can go search on the site on impactadhd.com. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, for being here, for the work you're doing with the kids in your world, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.